Hey Slingers, welcome back to another week of the Word Slinger Podcast. Now, is social media BS? Today's guest thinks so, and he's going to talk about how writers can use social media to their best advantage. So stick around. We'll get to that coming right up. It's the Word Slinger Podcast, where story matters. Build your brand. Write your book. Redefine who you are. It's all about the story here. What's yours now? Here's the guy who invented pants optional, Kevin Tomlinson, the word slinger. Word slinger. I am Kevin Tomlinson, the word slinger. I am so glad uh, that you've decided to spend another uh, another week with me and my really entertaining guest. Uh, I can't wait till you get to this interview. Uh, it is, by the way, Good Friday, so God bless each of you. Um, I don't know what your particular flavor of spirituality is. I'm a Christian, so uh, I want to spread a little bit of Christian joy to you on this Good Friday. Uh, it is a big, important day. It's one of the uh, one of the big, important days in my faith, so I hope you have a wonderful day. So that said, uh, let's jump into this interview with G- B.J. Mendelssohn. Uh, but I, first, before we do that, I have to offer B.J. a huge apology uh, because this was this was actually recorded uh, a, nearly a year ago, actually a year ago, possibly a year ago today. Uh, if I were to look closer to the dates, it was in April last year, uh, and it just got. It kept getting further and further out because of I had all these interviews stacked up ahead of it, um, and I uh, took that little hiatus around uh, Christmas time. So, BJ man, I am sorry that this took so long to come around. So uh, we're gonna try to make up for it as best we can. So that said, uh, one year ago, whole different scenario. I just moved into this place. <laughs> I didn't have the same setup. Everything was a little different. Uh, you're going to get to see the Wordslinger logo behind me, uh, which was just kind of cool, I have to admit. But that same screen now is my monitor. It's in the exact same spot, and I use it as my monitor. So uh, anyway, so BJ, sorry for the delay, uh, but let's get, let's don't delay any further. Let's get right to the good stuff about how social media is just complete BS. And uh, stick around afterwards. I'm going to have some, uh, well, some pearls of wisdom or something useful, I'm sure. So stick around after the interview, and I'll see you on the other side. Hey, everybody. Thank you for uh, sticking around through that entire intro, which was sure to be filled with wisdom, but probably went on a little too long. Um, but... The good news is that now you get a chance to uh, listen in on my my conversation with B.J. Mendelson. Now he's the author of, and we're going to say this once. So <laughs> for everybody listening, if you got little ones in the car, you know, uh, any family uh, that you don't want to hear swears, we're going to say this once and then get it over with. Ready? He's the author of "Social Media Is Bullshit." There, you were warned. If you didn't get the kids' ears plugged in time. Uh, that is, uh, that's up to you. So, uh, and that's the last time we'll say that. So, um, BJ, man, I appreciate you being on the show. Man. I'm sorry. I'm giving you a hard time for your, uh, no, I love it. And I'm, I really appreciate you doing that. Cause I, I have a niece, uh, who's four now and she's at that stage where she's repeating everything. Yeah. So, uh, I said the word suck, 
Uh, and then she just walked around going, suck, that sucks. And that sucks. Like, oh, yeah. Man. Oh, no. <laughs> so I'm, I'm glad that you actually do that because it's, you know, it's no joke. Those kids will repeat everything. They will every repeat year. stuff, man. And I, you know, and I'm not, I, 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 can, I can turn the air blue every now and then. Uh, ask my <laughs> wife. But I, I, try, I try not to do that um, just because I try not to do that on this show just because uh, I do know that people sometimes listen to this stuff with their family and I try to make everything very positive and uplifting and which is great. Yeah. 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 All right. So, uh, but uh, your, so the book, the title of your book is an intriguing, we'll, we'll just say BS from now on, but I mean, sure. the, uh, the title of your book is intriguing because um, you know, I've had some guests on the show who've talked about social media uh, on draft to digital. I've had some posts about authors and social media and there's, it's kind of a mixed bag, man. Uh, right. So some folks are all for it. Some folks are against it. Some folks are kind of, eh. uh, so uh, what you took a strong position and uh, I'm sure you, you, there's a twist in there somewhere. So what, what's, uh, what's behind social media being BS in your eyes? Well, it's really something more to do with all marketing books and that it is uh, related to social media. It's a context matters. Right. And context changes for everybody. So in my case, if I'm selling a book that is, uh, let's say the, let's use the privacy book, for example, I know that that audience really uses the internet. You know, they use forums, they use social media, they're, they're all over the place. So targeting them through those means makes a lot of sense for that book. Yeah. With other books, though, if your book is in stores, I found that if you really want to drive sales, social media really doesn't have that much of an impact. It's mm -hmm. going to the store, it's doing you know, book events and appearing on the local radio and doing local press. That's how with social media's BS, we sold 28 copies through Twitter. And yeah. I have like 700,000 followers. Uh, whereas we sold over 7,000 copies by virtue of me going out there yeah. and actually meeting people and doing radio and doing the local press. So that's really what the book is about, where these tools can be great, but it really depends on how you're going to use them, why you're using them in the first place. Because for a long time, people just dump money into social just to do it. I mean, you still see that today with Facebook ads. Yeah. And the book is saying, don't do that until you've carefully evaluated all your options. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Know your audience. That's a, right. that's a big one. And uh, I think, and that's, and I don't want to, I don't want to drag down anybody who is, uh, for example, sure. using social media for uh, advertising, uh, Facebook in particular, Facebook's big with the author crowd. Yeah. Um, now me, I haven't had as much success with Facebook ads, but then, I, I find them at times incomprehensible. Uh, <laughs> right, <laughs> but, deliberately, uh, deliberately so. Deliberately so, right? Um, and uh, yeah, I don't want to. I don't want anyone to be discouraged from from uh, you know doing that. That's we right. Friends who run courses around that and, all, and everything. And I, however, go ahead. Right, and so, no, I should say, you know, the book. If you look at the back of the book, uh, it says, "I'm not talking about the tools." I'm talking about the myth and attitude surrounding the tools because at the right. time the book was written, it was like the gold rush. You know, everyone was telling you to get on social. Right. right. And today now, you know, in 2018, we're a little more realistic about it. So there is nothing wrong with selling courses that teach you Facebook ads. That's totally right. fine. But my argument is it, it depends on what you're selling. So yeah. with the privacy book, because it's not in stores, I knew that I would have to target an audience that was more internet friendly. That yeah. So my entire outreach has been podcast because podcast listeners are more likely to go, oh, okay, I could go to Amazon, buy it right now, and off I go. Whereas if I were to do the show on the radio, people would go into stores to look for it and they yeah. wouldn't find it. Yeah, yeah. 
Now you, you've brought up the book and I forgot to actually mention at the head of the show because we <laughs> were okay. so focused on, on uh, not using swears that I didn't <laughs> mention the other book, the real point that, uh, of why you're on the show right now. Uh, you're, you, you're releasing privacy and how we get it back. Yes. How we get it back, uh, which, by the way, that's a that's a hot topic right now. Um, and of course, you know that because you're you wrote a book on the on the subject. But <laughs> the but, you know, it's interesting because I just read um, How to Disappear. Yes, and, that's a great book. Yes. And he just he focuses a lot on removing your your footprint online. So uh, but let's talk a little about your book. Like, oh, so. um sure. Privacy is a big thing. Facebook's big announcements, uh, the big thing going on with Facebook right now, uh, it has brought privacy back into the, the uh, spotlight. Um, so how does this tie in? Uh, how, do we, how do we get our privacy back? We get paid for it. That, that's the short <laughs> answer. Uh, honestly, yeah. like, the, the takeaway for the book is this. There's no consequences right now if you're Facebook for something like Cambridge Analytica. You know, there was yeah. a FTC dissent uh, decree that they signed back in 2011 saying if something like this happened again you would have to pay a fine and of course they went and they they completely ignore that so in the states yeah. stuff like this as long as there's no teeth to the legislation that exists it's just going to keep happening so you see that with the data breaches too you know there was a, a SunTrust bank i think was in the news right. uh, TaskRabbit was in the news just recently for these wide-scale security breaches uh, yahoo was actually fined which is kind of great uh, this past week for $35 million for their role in a data breach. But um, it's, that's a rare example. So yeah. the first part is that there's no teeth to it. The second part is that you are contributing invaluable data to these platforms. And this data is always packaged and sold. It represents 19% of America's gross domestic product, the advertising industry. And most of that these days revolves around Facebook and Google and your data. Right. So my argument is if you get cut in on that, it'll make the companies think twice about selling your data. It, it, because right now how it works is I can collect an entire profile on you and know everything there is to know about you and sell that, mm -hmm. but you you get nothing from that exchange or you get right, free Facebook. Right. right. So my attitude is, all right, well, if they cut me in, they have to stop and go, uh, what's the economics behind this? And I found that if you, if you introduce those penalties, they're less likely to be creepy for lack of right. a better description. Right. Right. Yeah. I, I like, I like that your answer, by the way, was get paid because you're saying <laughs> we need to hold them to the fire. Right. Yes. I mean, we, yeah, absolutely. We, as the public, we need to actually, um, you know, put, put thumb screws in these guys, but the, how do we do that? Cause I know there are class action suits and things like that, that, that could happen. I don't know of any specifically, and that's the problem, right? I don't know of any, and I don't know what my involvement could be in one. So how does, how does someone learn about that and participate in that? Sure. I think the big takeaway from the book on that front is, is local and state action, not federal action. So okay. contact state general office. In my case, you know, we have Eric Schneiderman, who has been pushing a data privacy bill of rights right. for some time. So we have places like that. You have places like Seattle where they actually have an office dedicated to data privacy. And so talking to those offices and saying, what's going on? How can I get involved? I think... If there's going to be any sort of change, it, we've seen this throughout the history of the country, it's right. always going to come locally first because the federal government has always acted in increments. You know, we, don't, we don't get widespread change. We get change when the government is shoved. So that's, that's a long way of answering that. It's just, and it sounds simple, right? Like it sounds easier said than done, but right. it really is true. It's just getting organized on the local level and pushing for 
citywide, statewide legislation saying if you are the victim of a data breach, you should be compensated financially and the company should be fined. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so, so uh, reach out to our, lo- our local government. Right. Reach out to legislators and congressmen and that sort of thing. Yeah, they'll, and they will pay attention. I know, I know this from years past and uh, stuff I've done. Uh, you know, I got involved with the whole thing with uh, the corporal punishment um, sure. debate and all that years ago. Uh, they will listen to that. They will respond to that. Uh, and unless they hear from their constituency, they won't really do anything, right? right. I, I mean, I had a group of voters representing about 10,000 people approach me to run for Congress. Uh, so if, if I can make that happen, yeah. there's, there's no reason why anyone listening to this couldn't get organized <laughs> and have people run for Congress or contact their, their congressman or state representative. It's just, you just have to do it. And, and I think that's what the problem is, is that people just don't want to do it. They kind of want to yeah. complain about it online and then <laughs> just drop the issue. Uh, right, I'm right. saying you have to get out there and actually do the work. Right, right. Are you, are you going to run for Congress? No, no. That was, um, so if, if you read the privacy book and people can find it at uh, yourprivacybook.com, uh, I'm very open about my life and my preferences and, and whatnot. And so I, I feel like if I were to run for Congress, uh, there's not too many people that, that would run out the door uh, to back me unless they're incredibly liberal. So uh, yeah, I, I think I'm, I'm a very specific taste to a very specific group of people. So I don't think I'd get that. Yeah, consensus. yeah, yeah. yeah. And I, I'm on the other end of the spectrum. I'm the sure. conservative guy. So I've had people approach me though. Like I've had, I've actually literally, know. I had the Libertarian Party approach me about okay. running for office. And, uh, and that's intriguing. That actually is intriguing. Uh, but anyway, that's a whole different. <laughs> but, it, but the point is the same, you know, it's, it's just doing it, right? It's just taking right. that next step and actually putting the work in. And it's the same deal of authors selling books. Uh, you got to put the work in and for right. a long time, you might not see the results, but you got to keep doing it. Yeah. Yeah. So w- just to s- maybe I can bring this around for sure. authors specifically. Um, the privacy uh, book is, is aimed uh, at the general user, but yes. are there, is there anything in, in there specifically that might um, benefit authors in, in the way they think? And I know we talked, we yeah. hit a little bit on that with like Facebook ads and that sort of thing. Um, so I there think may the, be an avenue there. The, the big thing is the economics of the internet. Uh, the takeaway of me saying you should get paid for your data is more than just Facebook cutting you a check for like 300 bucks a year or whatever it is. The takeaway is uh, we have these tools that are coming out like the basic attention token where authors could get paid by people visiting their site. So oh, there's, there's yeah. things like that that are in the works. And that's really what I talk about in the book is saying the model right now sucks. I shouldn't say that stinks. How's that? Uh, the model <laughs> right now stinks because I know my niece will listen to this. Yeah. And um, the takeaway is you should learn about things like that and the Brave browser because they're tools that are available right now. If you go to yes. brave.com, you can see the Brave browser, which, which integrates uh, micropayments. So if you're an author and you're just putting out, like I just yesterday put out a short story uh, for free. So yeah. if you go to bjmendelson.com through the Brave browser, you could tip me through a micropayment yeah. and I could be compensated that way for my work. And so the, the long, the way to put a bow on this is that there are other ways to get paid if you're a creator, because right now it's very difficult to make a living. Mm-hmm. And it's important that we start examining and talking about that now so that we can get everything in place to make it yeah. work. It's interesting. And I'm glad you brought up Brave because uh, I only just, I literally, literally only just discovered Brave yesterday. Okay on the uh, Phil DeFranco show on YouTube. Oh, cool. 
because uh, they uh, there's a whole thing going on there with uh, demonetization and everything. And Brave reached out to him to sponsor right. Shell. Now, um, and so I went and I've been digging in on this. So I'm going to include a link to this in the show notes of this episode. Right. Um, but I I love the idea of this. This is this is trending towards something that I think is on the horizon for authors, which is uh, a more complete ownership of our of our IP. Uh, more direct sales uh, rather than having to rely on Amazon and others. Um, I think we're, I think we're on the verge of that. Do you see that tying in? I mean, it's, you know, man, we could be all over the place with your topic, by the way. And I don't want to, I don't, I don't want to dilute anything. <laughs> oh no, it's all good. We could go, we could go anywhere. I mean, that's for me. I, I, the, so the thing I wanted to point out about the book is that when we talk about brave, a lot mm-hmm. of people get lost. So like, it's sort of like when you talk to people about tour, right? They mm-hmm. understand right. the idea behind tour, but then using it, it is not a great experience. So the book was designed such a way to just simplify everything mm-hmm. and say, this is how this would work. This is how the cryptocurrency would work. Right. So I think just having that discussion is important. Like just talking about getting paid through micropayment and an, an author hearing that for the first time and then researching it, it's incredibly powerful because it's still at such an early stage that you and I may know about it, but not everyone knows about it. So right, right. I'm definitely yeah. taking more of an early advocacy approach at the moment. Yeah, no. I, yeah, it's interesting because right, this is right on the heels of Ally uh, announcing that they're embracing uh, blockchain right. Uh, right. and cryptocurrency uh, as a means of, well, for several reasons. One, to protect against uh, piracy. Uh, but also to put the power of uh, IP ownership directly in the hands of the authors. So right. it's all ties in. It's very, it's intriguing stuff, but it makes me dizzy. Right. Um, that's the problem. I mean, that's, <laughs> that is the problem. So I, I do some advising work on the side, not as much as I used to. And, and so being in that space, uh, there's definitely this problem uh, with the crypto side of things where they're not communicating to people why this matters. Instead, right now you sort of get blockchain and everyone gets crazy about it, and, yeah, but you don't, yeah. most people don't know what it is. And so uh, I think over the next few years, we'll finally see people explain, oh no, if you're an author, this is why this matters. Like you right. can actually track everything uh, and not, as you mentioned, not use Amazon to do your sales, which I right. think is a breath of fresh air. Yeah, I think, I think one of the problems, uh, frankly, is that um, when the world at large was introduced to the idea of cryptocurrency, Bitcoin, all that, it was, tr- it was handed over as if it was a get rich quick scheme. Yeah. Like if you invest in Bitcoin, you know, you can make $20,000 in a day uh, because of the, you know, it's, it's value rises or whatever. And so it gets framed that way. And I think the importance of it gets lost because it is a way to own more of what we're selling. It's, it's actually much more, I compared it to, in terms of books, it would be much more like being able to sell a physical copy of your book um, with, the, with the sort of control you get over that. Because like I can't buy your book and have it in my hand and read it and then duplicate it and, and sell it to someone else right. or give it away. I, I lose it when it goes away. So there's, there's that aspect of it. But that's my limited understanding, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's that's exactly it. But it's the, the problem is that that's all we're we're all at that level. Yeah. Right. Uh, hang on one second. I'm gonna let the cat out. Okay. <laughs> there's, there's a bunch of them, and uh, he wants to go back. It's a warts and all show, man. Yeah. No, I, they, they have made their presence known on every interview that I've done. Like they jump in front of the camera, and it just it's it's yeah. fun. Uh, but tying it all back to the social media, I mean, back in 2008, it was sort of the same deal, right? 
Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, had Ashton Kutcher on CNN saying Twitter gives you a voice equal to a broadcast network, and you had Gary Vaynerchuk and all of the social media marketers uh, saying you got to get in now and cash in while this thing is big. So right. it's sort of the same deal right now with, with Bitcoin and blockchain, where uh, there, there's a lot of hysteria around it, but no one talking about the, the nuts and bolts of it. Yeah, yeah, and uh, honestly, I'm I am just I have zero interest in the. Uh, the sort of explosive growth idea, uh, you know, jump in now and, and take advantage of this gold rush. I have no interest in that. Sure. Uh, I'm my, me personally, this is me personally. I'm only interested in the long-term growth stuff, uh, the stable stuff. Uh, so that's, that's where I think your book comes in uh, quite, uh, you know, uh, in terms of understanding at least the privacy angle sure. uh, and how that benefits us. What's um so, now getting let's I want to dip back into social media for a bit. Sure. Um and I do want people to pick up your both of your books. Uh and and uh, I I'm interested by the way you're in, you're you're with uh, St. Martin's Press, right? Yes. That was, so you're uh, not you're not indie. But well the privacy book is indie. Oh okay. Uh, privacy book it was put out <laughs> by uh, a publisher in the United Kingdom it was too short. Yeah. Uh for for St. Martin's to put out so I went with a publisher in the UK. I, I'm just I'm really just in that. <laughs> no, it's all right. I mean, I, <laughs> no, I think it's, but that's, you know, we talk about blockchain and just the future for authors. I think the hybrid of what I'm doing is, is going to be incredibly common where you might have a book from St. Martin's and you might have a book from I agree. various reads. Yeah. And um, I have a comic book that I put out myself. You know, that's, so that's entirely self-published. Really? Tell me yeah. about the comic book. I want to hear so, about the comic. The comic book is called <laughs> Vengeance Nevada. It's out on uh, comicsology.com. So, you know, I'm still, I'm still beholden to the Amazon empire. Yes, you're still in the Amazon, but I know this comic. Yeah, it's 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 a lot of fun. I it found people really liked it uh, so far, yeah. surprisingly, because I I put it out there thinking, okay, I have no idea what's going to happen. Let's just let's just see. Which is not what you should do as an author. Like you should have some kind of plan. Yeah. Uh, but I found with the comic, I just didn't know. I just didn't know enough about the industry to see what would happen. So, but that hybrid approach, I think, will be common. Like the next book I'm pitching uh, is called "Don't Be Evil." Uh, yeah. a, short, a short guide to being a successful human and that that's a book that's an old school book proposal that's going to you know the publishers and and that whole song and dance so I, I think that that's that's the way to be these days it's just it doesn't matter where the book comes out just get it out there yeah i i absolutely agree i um i and i've talked about this i've talked a bit about this at conferences and and uh on panels and things and uh the hybrid model is evolving and i i I just i can't help but think that you know we're this is what we're going to see in the next i used to say 10 years and then five years but i think it's more like in the next two to three years yeah we see a hybrid model take over the industry i think it's here you're doing i i I, yeah i mean that's i really think it's here i think that let me put it to you so i like with the privacy book because it doesn't have the saint martin stamp on it it's it's a lot harder to promote Mm-hmm. You know, it's a lot harder. Like I had a lot of luck with TV appearances with social media's bullshit, whereas, oh, I'm sorry, social media's BS, mm-hmm. uh, where people <laughs> were like, oh, okay, let's, let's, let's have you on. Whereas with a privacy book, because it's by this publisher in the United Kingdom that nobody really knows, they're like, ah, I don't know. So, uh, but the fact that I'm still able to sell it and that it's still performing very well and I was able to put out the auto, a book on Audible by myself, yeah. uh, the fact that you can still do all that today is fantastic. Yeah, and there's no there's no barrier. Like it's not like ten years ago where the, everyone was running around saying there was no barrier, whereas now in 2018, no, there really is no. There barrier. really is no barrier, right? Yeah, so it, I think we're here. If you want to hit traditional sales channels, 
you know, you've got all the tools necessary to do. You can go direct or you can do, you know, like my guys draft to digital. You could go draft to digital. <laughs> uh, or there are others I, I hear. Um, but what I'm really lo loving is that the, the trend seems to be, the tools seem to be aiming at uh, full ownership, you know, direct right. sale to the, to the customer. And I, I think we're still kind of in the infancy of that. And I don't know how we make the leap because of course there's still discoverability and discoverability is always sure. the problem. Right. And that's where most people were going to turn to social media. So that brings us back around because I, I, you know, I'm curious, like what is the most effective way to use social media for this? Again, it depends on the audience. Uh, so yeah. for the comic, for example, the comic is the best social media use case that I have. So I had trouble selling social media as BS through Twitter. You know, I, I sold 28 copies, whereas I sold over 6,000 by doing the offline stuff. With right. the comic, because it's entirely on Comixology, it's not in stores, mm -hmm. you really don't have much of a choice but to use social media. Right. And so for that specific use case, I am very active within the comics community because the comics community has embraced Twitter. Mm -hmm. So it really, again, it really depends on who is the audience. Do they use these platforms in the first place? Right. What, what right. other channels do you have? And in, in the case of a comic book where you don't really have a lot of channels, you kind of have to go and use social media. So just the fact that we're talking about this and having a discussion, I think is powerful because 10 years ago, you know, when the book came out in 2012, we were not having that conversation. We, right. you know, yeah. The conversation was, you have to be on Facebook, you have to be on Twitter, you have to be on LinkedIn, you have to be posting uh, around the clock to get traction. Whereas today it's sort of like, all right, well, let's, let's take a step back and look and see what the specific use case is for that specific audience and book. Yeah. And, and, and how does one determine that Twitter is the environment for uh, their specific product? Lots of research. Uh, it's, it's, I mean, I don't want that to sound complicated or, or hard. It's just a lot of watching. Yeah. So for example, there, there's a lot of indie authors who double as comics creators. Right. And so I just did a lot of research on them and who they interacted with and what hashtags they were using. And I was looking at the amount of interaction because that's, you know, we haven't talked about the algorithms at all, but yeah. the amount of interaction you have as soon as you post something is really important. And so if you see a lot of activity among a certain crowd, like the comics crowd, that it says, okay, well, if I post something on this platform, then I have good luck of uh, this stuff being displayed. Yeah. If that makes sense. Like, again, if you don't have the interaction, your posts drop like a rock. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and once again, and then there's gotta be, there's gotta be something, some conclusion we can draw here. But once again, with, with social media, it comes back to the cost is someone's attention. That's right. Usually always your attention, you know, yeah. but it's always someone's attention. Right. And I found that if you have, so the trick to social media is that you want to make sure you have other things in place. Like you want to have a website, you right. want to have some kind of credibility before you start to use social media. Mm -hmm. Because if, if you don't, then you're just part of like that, that group of spammers who's like, hey, check out my album. Hey, check out my book. Hey, check out my comic. Right. You have no idea who they are. I mean, I get that a lot for Kickstarter. Yeah. A lot of comics creators are constantly like, hey, can you promote this thing on Kickstarter? I have no idea who this person is. <laughs> right. uh, so there's right. something to be said about offline credibility first before you, you do go ahead with these social platforms. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So yeah, you got to spend, spend the time building. And that's what, when we, t when we say building your platform, that's really part of what we mean is that's right. uh, spend the time to build the foundation so that when you have, um, when you car carve that path, it leads somewhere. <laughs> that's right. And there's, there is one exception though. Like if you, if you find yourself of uh, extra cash burning a hole in your wallet, 
Yeah. And Facebook ads, if done properly, could be very valuable. We've, we've yeah. seen time and time again that social media benefits you know, the rich, the rich get richer mm-hmm. with, with social media. So if you do have money, then that is a good channel to use. Whereas I, I'd like to think that most indie authors are kind of like me, where you're trying to spend as little as you can yeah. to promote the book and, and make as much as you can. Yeah, no, I, that's, that's a very good point uh, because I, you know, I talk to a lot of folks who depend on social media, depend, let's just say specifically Facebook ads, Facebook sure. ads and Amazon ads are big right now, but Facebook ads are the one that, that are um, open to everybody. Um, the, the key really is to have the kind of budget where you're, you're, right. you're essentially throwing money at this, right? Uh, so in that, in, in that case, the uh, the ads themselves are not a good investment for the author who isn't already doing uh, pretty well. Uh, so it's not going to get you to the level to that you know financial level that you're trying to hit. Uh, but once you, if you put in the groundwork and you build up to the point where you can start throwing money at Facebook ads, it takes you to a whole different level. Yes, which is the thing I think that most authors ha- struggle with because they want the magic bullet. Yeah, and Facebook ads look like a magic bullet sometimes. Well, I think the big problem is we all want it now. Yeah, I think, if, oh, if I use Facebook, then I'm going to get all these results right now. Uh, yeah. And the thing I've always tried to tell other authors is this takes, this takes time. And yeah. each, book, each book, I feel like you start from zero. So mm-hmm. no matter what you had, with, no matter what I had with social media is BS, with the privacy book, I'm starting from scratch, you know. And yeah. so it's important to get all those things in place and then looking at all of your options. And so it takes time and people don't appreciate that. They just think, I'll get it overnight. And that's, that's not at all. how uh, it's, not, it's not been my experience. I right. haven't overnighted success uh, in, in like 20 years. So, <laughs> right. um, but one, one thing to consider though, is that you, you now that you have the second book, uh, you, what, this is going to be a little tricky because I don't want to mislead anybody, but sure. w- you can start to focus your marketing efforts on that second book and sort of curtail some of your marketing efforts on the first book, because you can literally use the second book as a marketing tool for the first book. Yes. So that's where you can kind of start stacking a little. Is I'm, it? Glad, I'm glad you mentioned that, because that's something that I recently discovered uh, on my own, is I really didn't anticipate there being like this boomerang effect where uh, if people bought the privacy book, they would turn around and buy social media's BS or vice versa. Right. Uh, but it is true that, you know, well, it, it's not true with, so again, it depends on the audience, right? So I'll give you an example. The people who buy my comics, I've noticed all buy a book as soon as they're done reading the comic. They have all converted to a reading really? privacy book. Yeah, whereas the privacy people have not converted to the comic. Yeah. Uh, but they have converted to social media's best. But there is definitely that chain that forms of these different products uh, yeah. coming together. That's interesting. Well, because as a comic reader myself, like I love comics and I also have a wide interest, uh, a very eclectic reading interest. Right. Uh, and I would read, I would read these two books um, and we'll read these two books. I'm, I promise you. Here on <laughs> uh, <laughs> but again, folks, everybody always criticized me. Why don't you read the guy's books before they come on air? It's because they contact me like the week before. <laughs> right. And it's also in your defense, like I have not, Maybe out of the hundreds of interviews that I've done, maybe two people have actually read the book. Mm-hmm. So it's not common that you come onto any show. And yeah, the if I were Oprah, though, if right, I were Oprah Winfrey, 
I would I would have read the book and taken copious notes. That's right. And highlighted passages so that I could quote them back to you. On page one ninety seven. Well, you well said, that's that's the burden of being a billionaire, right? <laughs> yes. Well, man, man, there must be a lesson to learn from that, brother. Yeah. If 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 that's the burden of being a, a billionaire <laughs> with a B, I need to start reading some damn books before you people get on the show. <laughs> I don't even know where I was going, man. Uh, so. <laughs> Now I'm just now I'm just taking life lessons. I think I had what <laughs> refers to as an aha moment just now. Um, that's great. That's great. That is great. So you're you, okay. Now speaking of marketing, how are you? Are you using social media to market these books right now? So I am using social media to contact people I can't reach through email. Okay. So that's and uh, in America specific. This is specific to the American audience. So mm-hmm. uh, most journalists in the United States have a Twitter account. Right. Like it's about 80%, 85% penetration. And so if you are looking to contact a journalist, Twitter for that, again, for that specific context is very good. Mm-hmm. And so that's how I'm using it for the privacy book. I'm reaching out to podcasters and I'm reaching out to journalists through Twitter and saying, okay. Hey, I've got, uh, I've got this new book. Can we talk? Can I send you a free copy? So, and are you, are you, cause you came, you came to me through my site. That's right. Did you find me first on Twitter and then, no, or Facebook uh, or something. I highly recommend. So I've known about your show through other authors. Okay. Uh, and I think I've seen it come up in Facebook groups. That's a, see, that's a good example of social media is useful when it's about community and people. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and not so good when it comes to promotion without all this other stuff that we've talked about. Right. So that's how I knew about your show. But with other shows, there is a tool called BuzzSumo, uh, which I typed in the word podcast and it generated a list of about 10,000 podcasters on Twitter. Now, most of that list you know, are people that aren't active anymore or had a podcast like years ago, mm-hmm. but I'd say at least 60% of it are active podcasters. And so I've just sat down and said, okay, if the book is not in stores. Uh, I, doing radio is probably not the most effective thing I can do with my time, but doing the podcast is because those, that audience is more likely to go, oh, I'll click on the link and, and buy a book. And so I went down that entire list of the 10,000 and contacted everybody. Wow. Yeah, so that's uh, so that tool was very useful, and again, like I'm very excited that I'm included on in a list of ten thousand other podcasters. Uh, <laughs> well, you know, but, well, it's more it's more like like let's say seven thousand because I had to delete three thousand for not being active. I know that is, that that is trouble, uh, and you know, of course, uh, I I have to I go on a ton of shows um, sure. uh, to promote me to promote you have digital. To. You have to. And, and really, here's what's interesting about podcasts. I know we're veering off That's subject okay. a little, but what's interesting about podcasts is this really is a space where authors gravitate. And I'm not entirely sure why, but if your goal is to reach authors, the podcast space is it. Man. <laughs> so there's, there's, there's two arguments for that, right? Like the first is that if you're an author and you, you do, so I've done a lot of cable TV appearances, yeah. you only have like three minutes. Right. To say anything. And most of those three minutes are going to be dominated by the other hosts interrupting yeah. you and asking questions. So you really don't have much time to talk. Whereas with a podcast, we can, have a, we can have a 30 minute, 45 minute conversation. So that's the first thing. The second thing, uh, NPR found that most podcast listeners tend to be better educated uh, yeah. and have a higher income. So whether or not you that's. You hear that, everybody? You're better <laughs> educated. <laughs> And have a higher income, and I'm sure you're all very good looking. Very good looking. Uh, and and a ha- we have a handsome and beautiful audience, so please buy the book. Uh, see, you could do that on TV. Like, you couldn't just stop it and slide like that. So, right, right. Uh, statistically, the podcast listeners tend to be book readers, is, is what really what I'm getting at. 
Yeah. Sorry. I was taking a sip of coffee <laughs> right, okay. right as you finished. Um, yes. And then, yeah. And, uh, that, and, and that's not, it's not entirely non sequitur by the way, cause that, you know, sure. I, for whatever reason, I don't know, I don't know why this is possibly just in my head. I've always lumped, uh, podcasts in with social media. Sure. Uh, I, I know they're not social media. They're not, they're not, they don't fit the definition. Uh, but for some reason there's a connection there in my brain. So, um, Increasingly, you can make that argument though, because there's there's stuff like uh, Anchor. Yes, that's true. Periscope. But you do uh, that interactive podcast. So I, I think increasingly you're seeing everything kind of merge together. That's, and that's a very good point, man. And that's you true. That's a mess. Like all of the, I, so you know, the thing I said in social media is BS is that the the way we think about these platforms is wrong. You know, we we've allowed like the ad industry to kind of shape how we approach these platforms, but. Right. Uh, it, it's always changing. And so Anchor is a good example in 2018 of podcasts becoming social media. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's a, that's a very good point. I'm going to make a note here. Um, <laughs> it's, uh, <laughs> it's hard for me to slip that in. I try to do it when you're still talking and then you're real good about it. You're very succinct. I you're came from radio. Most of my, yes, okay. So we both have radio backgrounds. That explains <laughs> it. Um, <laughs> okay. No, but that's a very good point. And oh, I'm sorry about that. Everybody. <laughs> Um, the, uh, you know, more and more, I mean, specifically, I was thinking YouTube, YouTube is very much a, a, it it is a social media platform in which instead of posting, I, instead of posting something I wrote, I'm posting something I produced ahead of time, Facebook live or, uh, the, I think it's Facebook live, right? Their Mm -hmm. video component, same thing, except it's, it is a live stream. And I interact with people. I haven't done that in a while. I'm mean, I'm sorry, everybody. Uh, but that's fairly cool. Now, again, that's a these tools. You would need to find, uh, you know, wh- find out whether or not your specific audience resonates with these tools before you invest a lot of time, money, and effort into trying to promote your work through there. Um, I have a good trick for that. Uh, oh, good. Write, that's write what I was letter. about to ask you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so write a letter to your ideal customer. Okay. And I think that helps. Because you can't say everybody, right? Like you can't just walk around and be like, everybody's my audience because right. that's just not. It's the Ford principle, right? Right. Well, if yeah. Your, if everyone's uh, your customer, no one's your customer. Exactly. And so it, and it works for Ford, right? Because Ford reaches everybody. Right. Uh, whereas because there's so, there's so much competition between authors and, and publishers and everything where you, I think you have to be very specific as mm-hmm. to who you're selling the books to and writing letters to your ideal customer. That, that's not an original idea. That's. That's an old thing that's popped up over the years. Right. But I found right. that to be an effective tactic. I think for authors, they're used, they, they may be familiar with that advice in, in that um, we're told to do something similar f- to find our ideal reader. Right. Um, what, here's what's interesting. And there is a distinction. I believe this, um, that there is a distinction between your ideal reader and your ideal customer uh, of a book. Yes. Um, because you, you would reach the two and very, your ideal reader may not, may not be reachable on social media or through any of the channels accessible to you, which is sad. Uh, but enough of them may, be, may also be ideal customers. <laughs> That's right. And so uh, it all comes down to word of mouth. Yes. Honestly, uh, I feel like word of mouth sort of got lost in the shuffle yeah. over the years where, you know, people were attracted to things like social media, which is partly word of mouth, but not entirely. So you're right. There, you, might not, you might find that your, your ideal reader is not your ideal customer. But if there's enough overlap, whereas you, you do have a few ideal customers that become readers, they will do the marketing for you. 
Yeah. And then that in turn will help you reach the other people that you were trying to reach in the first place. Yeah, no, absolutely. Right now I'm, I've, I've, I've been performing a little experiment over the past. Uh, it, it's been extended. I was going to do it for 30 days and it's been about three months now oh, cool. uh, where my entire marketing is, is 100% dependent on word of mouth. And cool. I have seen huge, huge results from that. Not maybe not as big as if I had dumped, you know, 30 grand into a Facebook ad campaign, <laughs> but I, it, it's remarkable in that, um, theoretically, according to some folks I've talked to, you shouldn't have any traction at all. It's like not marketing. Right. Um, it's the easiest kind of marketing I've ever done. So I'm a big fan. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's highly effective. I recommend people, uh, there's a lot of great books out there about it. Uh, but, the, but it's, it can be encapsulated into this. Is your product so easy and simple that your grandmother and grandfather can understand and share it with other people? Yeah. And if the answer is yes, then you've got a product that will benefit from word of mouth. Excellent. Yeah. Yeah. That's great, man. Okay. That sounds like a, a great way to uh, wrap up. Sure. Um, so uh, let's, let's first, let's, we want to, I want to mention the titles again. Uh, sort of. Uh, <laughs> social media is BS uh, yes. is, is the first one. Uh, you may spell that out, people. Go ahead. Do what you do in the privacy. Your own web browser is up to you. Uh, and then uh, privacy and how we get it back. Something I'm very interested in uh, with uh, current, everything that's going on in the world right now. I think this is a very topical book. You can pick up both of those, of course. I'm guessing anywhere ebooks are sold and anywhere mm. books are sold, right? That's right. Uh, if you're, you can find the privacy book at yourprivacybook.com. But it's okay. also on Audible and Amazon. Okay. Uh, and then, of course, tell people where they can find you and, and your body of work online. Sure. Well, I just keep it very simple. Uh, BJMendelson.com is the place to find me. And I also give out my cell phone number. Uh, and I do this because, you know, we didn't touch on it too much. But when you tweet something, not everyone sees it. Mm -hmm. uh, whereas if someone texts me, I see everything. Like, you get every text. And so my phone number is 646 331 8341. That's 646-331-8341. If you text me the word SheRock, I will send you a free PDF copy of Social Media's BS. Uh, and SheRock is spelled exactly as it sounds. And that's that's honestly the best way to keep in touch. I mean, unless you're really into pro wrestling and, and comic books, mm -hmm. uh, you, you can follow me on Twitter. That's what I use Twitter for. But yeah, yeah. uh, bjmendelson.com or at the phone number with a text. And that's the way to keep in touch. I'm going to follow you on Twitter because uh, I, I like what you're what you have to say, and I want to subscribe you. to your newsletter. <laughs> um, <laughs> look, I just followed you. There you go, and I see nice. your cat in your profile picture. Yep, there's one of five. <laughs> oh, look! I clicked follow, and a whole bunch of balloons popped up. That means something. I don't know what that means. <laughs> oh, it's a birthday. It's a birthday thing. Is it your birthday today? It is. Oh, happy birthday, birthday man! Thank you took you. time out of your birthday to talk to me. I did. <laughs> well, happy birthday to me. That's, I, I got the present. Um, <laughs> all right. Well, uh, okay, everybody, you're going to find links to all that stuff in the show notes, of course. Um, uh, please, if you're driving, pull, pull aside. Pull aside to enjoy your BJ Mendelssohn. Um, <laughs> and uh, let's see. Uh, that's pretty much it. I, okay. I'll put the, uh, the phone number and the, the uh, password in okay. the show notes as well for people to, to download, uh, to get a copy of the PDF copy of social media SBS. Um, I have my copy and I will start reading that uh, probably very soon. Uh, so thank you for that. All right, everybody. Um, thank you BJ for being on the show, man. I appreciate you coming on. Yep, thank you. 
Everybody else, you're probably hearing the groovy bridge music right now. You may dance in place at will. Uh, stick around for industry news and other cool stuff after this break, and I'll see you all next time. Hear your book the way it was meant to be heard, with a fully custom soundtrack based on your material, an album of music that perfectly fits your characters, your settings. Hear your book today. SonataInscribe.com. Hey, thanks for sticking around. I hope you enjoyed that interview with B.J. Mendelssohn. Uh, I know I did. I, uh, I, I'm, I still feel bad that it took a year for this to air. Uh, but there was a lot of wisdom in that interview uh, and in the way that uh, B.J. says we should focus on and use social media. So uh, something that uh, is really that's kind of resonating with me lately. Honestly, I've taken a hiatus from... Uh, certain social media. I still I still have to participate in social media, but I think BJ's right, man. It's complete BS. <laughs> I actually, I've kind of walked on Facebook, uh, at least on the personal side, and uh, and I'm feeling a lot better, actually, since, since sort of turning Facebook off. I still do things. I still post things. Uh, I don't check it. I don't um, get involved in conversations. I don't even scan the the news feed anymore. It's just not. It was kind of tearing me down, honestly. I was uh, feeling a little overwhelmed by it. I was always anxious and angry. Uh, the divisiveness that's that's taken hold in our culture. I think it has its roots in uh, social media. I mean, when you're on social media, that's what you see most of the time is people being bitter, people being angry and uh, hateful. So. Um, I just decided that there are some amazingly good people on social media. I do want to figure out a way to circle back around and uh, and keep up with them. Um, but I'm I'm imposing a filter. <laughs> I'm imposing a personal filter on my social media use, and uh, I do stuff that's tied to my work. Uh, you know, helps me to promote my work. But it, I you know I I do want interaction with people, so I'll have to figure it out. So if you've got some tips and advice on that, feel free to let me know. Go over to uh, wordslingerpodcast.com. Find this episode, episode number 177, um, and uh, you can leave a comment on the uh, show notes. Uh, tell me how you're managing social media and uh, what you're, how you deal with it. <laughs> I can always use the, use the help. Um, what's funny, though, and this, this ties into today's topic, uh, the little fireside chat that we have uh, now after <laughs> after the interview. Um, so, you know, I'm, I've been working on a lot of things in my life and career, uh, making some changes, developing some, some new habits. Some of those habits are revolve around my health. Uh, some revolve around my writing career. Some revolve around sort of my aspirations for a, a sort of bigger world, a bigger empire of sorts. Um, and a lot are... Uh, tied to relationships and just my personal well-being. So uh, in in all that, I've been doing a lot of reading, studying, uh, putting into practice a lot of the things that I'm learning. And uh, one of the things that's been incredibly helpful, this is actually something I've done most of my life, but not as consistently as I probably should have. Um, but one of, the th- one of the tools I talk about in 30 Day Author, for example, is journaling. Now, in 30 day, I'm talking about it as a way to improve your craft, but I also mention how you know this sort of thing is really kind of just good for your 
spiritual and mental health, we'll say. Uh, it, it helps you, uh, it gives you a place to put your ideas. It gives you a place to put, you know, the things that are bothering you so that you can deal with them on the page rather than deal with them out in the, in the physical world. <laughs> so, uh, journaling is something I think is very useful. And I always, uh, admonish people to treat every form of writing. Anytime you're writing anything, treat it as practice. So if you're writing a text message or you're writing in a journal, if you're writing an article or blog post, if you're writing an email, uh, everything should be, you should try to do the very best job you can do with that writing. Make that practice. Write the way, uh, write in your voice, write with proper grammar, proper spelling. Make sure that what you're doing is um, is helping you to build and grow in this in this area that you're interested in, in this area that you consider part of your uh, work. I'm sorry I'm all fidgety. I'm kind of a little uncomfortable in my own skin right now for some reason. Um, but I have been journaling. I keep looking. You keep seeing me look over here. I've got a couple of my journals sitting here. So, like right now, I've got uh, these two are uh, journals, and each has a sort of purpose. Now, this one's my moleskine. I've always got a moleskine. Uh, these are my favorite little notebooks. They have some history to them. You can see I've, I've done quite a bit of writing in this. And uh, what I started doing with this one more than anything is um, it's helped me kind of figure out, like, for example, I'll write a question at the top of a page, and then I'll sort of free write just some answers that come to me uh, about that question. Or sometimes I'll do things like today I, I said, uh, how can I have... How can today be a good day? Was it what does a good day what does a good today look like? And I wrote down like six different uh, random things that popped into my head. Um, you know, yesterday's was how do I reframe instantly so I can shift negative to positive? So that sounds uh, I know that that to some that's going to sound a little odd, but it is sort of a way for me to access my self-conscious, my self-conscious, my subconscious. Uh, and get answers from deep within, we'll say. So that's what I'm using this for. Uh, I also use this to jot down. I've got a couple pages in here of jokes. Because <laughs> I, I kind of like uh, the idea. I, I, following some of the comedians that I follow, like uh, Jerry Seinfeld, you know, they keep notebooks of jokes. So I've, I've jotted a few ideas down just, just to try it out, you know, play around with it. But that's what this space is for. It's for playing around with your ideas so that you can uh, track them, keep, you know, keep track of them and also expand on them later if you want. Uh, this journal is, and if you're not watching this on YouTube, I apologize. You're just getting a, a blow by blow. Uh, but this journal is similar in that, um, it this one has this one's a focused journal this one is um a it's it's meant for a purpose um i have uh something i'm building called written world and it is kind of my overarching empire we'll say it's going to be the parent of everything else that i do um branching off of my writing and publishing you know as a start and this book is about or this journal is about exploring um all what written world is what its personality is what its purpose is uh how you know when i have um employees what uh how do i treat the employees what do they get for being part of written world 
Um, you know, and I wrote, I jotted down uh, that you know on the t- topic of employees. Actually, I jotted down that they, that uh, we are about empowering employees. And so, what does that mean? You know, how do you empower an employee? I have uh, I'm making notes about what I'm calling written world outreach, which is the charitable side of my business. Um, I've decided it's going to be a hybrid charity, a, a for-profit charity, which I know sounds may sound odd to some folks, but look look that up on uh, YouTube. There is a TED Talk that you might want to check out about how for-profit charities can be more uh, impactful uh, to the people they're trying to help um, <clears throat> for a variety of really good reasons. So as I learn things and I say, that's a good idea, I'd like to implement that into a business, it goes into this written world journal, and uh, this is what I'm mining to build a business plan, a plan of action, uh, to build the business out in stages, right? <clears throat> I have, uh, uh, you know, the the typical one-year, five-year, ten-year idea. Uh, how, what does the business look like a year from now? What does it look like five years from now? And, you know, the important thing about this kind of stuff is you, you write this down, but it needs you need to take action, Right. <laughs> so just like being a novelist, just like being right, a writer of any kind, nonfiction or fiction, uh, you can outline all you want. But until you actually sit down to write the book, you're not a writer. You got to you got to actually write the book. So what's the adage that uh, writers write and authors have written? Uh, you can't be an author until you have written. Uh, you can't be a writer unless you write. So uh, you can't uh, be uh, in business unless you take action and start the business. So I'm planning now, but the uh, but I'm also taking some actions based on the things that go into these journals. Um, journaling is a way for you to uh, explore. I, I have multiple journals. I got a whole stack of journals over here. I got, and then I have a journal app that I like to use called Day One. Um, for a long time, I was. Uh, I was actually using the uh, using Scrivener for uh, journaling, and you can still do that. But I found an app called Day One. Now they've since moved to a, a subscription model, a SaaS model, uh, software as service is what SaaS stands for. One moment, mm. refreshing water. Um, they have uh, moved to a paid model, which I abhor. <laughs> if, you've, if you've known me for any length of time, it's the it's kind of the death knell for uh, for any application I use when it decides it's switching to a uh, a pay for use model. Uh, I don't begrudge the uh, designers of these applications for um, for trying something that you know is supposed to help them and make them profitable. That's what a business is for. Uh, I do begrudge the fact that uh, I, I slowly bleed money into the things that I use in my daily life uh, on such a regular basis that it becomes overwhelming. And while I can afford it, um, I hate it. I hate that, you know, everything wants to take a nickel and dime from me at every turn. So I've got a grandfathered version of this app, which I think may still be available to download. It's, uh, I guess, unsupported. Uh, meaning if there's technical glitches or if the operating system evolves past its capabilities, they won't they won't support it. Uh, so far, that hasn't been a problem. Uh, and if it ever happens, I guess I'll have to figure out a way to export everything into a new journal. But 
Uh, anyway, that's that should be neither here nor there. I'm just I get irritated at, at the software as a service model sometimes when it's every single app, every single uh, you know piece of software I own becomes SaaS. <laughs> you may have a different opinion of that, and maybe I should reconsider that. Um, but it does kind of get a little overwhelming, especially when these things are generally like you know five to ten bucks a month. You know that. 10 bucks a month, if I just count the number of applications on my desktop right now, I could easily be paying, if I were paying 10 bucks a month for each, I could easily be paying several thousand dollars a month just to operate this computer I own. So uh, why am I paying so much money for a computer? <laughs> if I'm going to have to pay thousands more just to use it. All right, I digress. All right. Uh, so anyway, back to journaling. So I use a, a digital journal. That's more of my... Uh, sort of personal journal. What I like about day one in particular is that I ha it, it can actually have several journals. So I've got one that is um, my personal, you know, dear diary kind of stuff. Um, another that is sort of aphorisms and, and future thinking. Like I'm writing these journal posts. It's my future journal is what it's called. Uh, it's, uh, I write as if I've already accomplished the things that I've done. So I put myself in that headspace. Uh, I have a gratitude journal in there that is, uh, that was my phone, by the way, uh, a gratitude journal that is, uh, you know, where I write down what I'm grateful for. It's pretty self-explanatory. I shouldn't have even hesitated. Uh, so anyway, I've got that, and then I've got a bunch of other, you know, notebook journals and things like that. And you don't have to write in every single one of these things every day. I think it's pretty good to probably get one or two to play around with it first uh, and you just use what makes you comfortable but I think you should as a writer keep a journal uh, and you can you can do whatever you want with it some people all they do is write down their ideas um, maybe they have a story idea so they flesh it out on uh, on the journal page before they start writing it maybe that's where they do their outlining uh, some people just keep journals that are just grocery lists you know, uh, what they did that day, a catalog of what they did that day. Uh, keep a journal for how much exercise you've gotten, how many laps you've, you've run around a track, how many laps you swam in a pool, how much weight you've lifted, how much, you know, what did you eat? People keep food journals, that sort of thing. So these things are very helpful, but for writers, I think they are uh, a free and safe space for people to really kind of dig in. On their on their craft and capabilities, stretch themselves a little, um, warm themselves up. You know, I I do a little bit of journaling in the mornings before I start writing, uh, and it it sort of activates uh, that that sort of that center in my brain that puts me in flow. Uh, it makes it to me it makes it a lot easier for me to get into that state of flow. Now, if you don't know what I mean by that, so the state of flow is uh, your uh, a flow of of streaming consciousness right uh it's that state you get into when you're in the zone so if you were a runner you know when you first start running you, you're thinking about the running you're thinking about your sore muscles you're thinking about the the stress uh of the day or you're thinking about you know the miles ahead uh but once you get it once you kind of get into the flow of running then now your thoughts can wander. You can, you know, you're no longer concentrating on your body. You're no longer feeling the, 
the exertion, uh, you're, you're feeling energized, you're feeling compelled and you, you, you don't, you no longer think about the miles ahead or the miles behind. You're right there. You're present. And if, if that sounds familiar, it's the same idea as uh, meditation. So uh, I think, I personally think, that getting into a state of flow in your work is the same as meditating, especially for writers. Um, now, you know, there are different types, there are different practices for meditation. And I admit, I'm not, I'm not really, I haven't put a lot of time and energy into uh learning to meditate in the traditional sense, crossing, sitting in a cross-leg pattern, uh, hands on my knees, breathing rhythmically. Maybe I should do that more. I hear there are a lot of health benefits for that, a lot of uh, psychological benefits for that. I feel like I get that from my work, uh, my uh, hours writing. But, you know, I could be wrong. Um, So... Journaling is a useful tool to help prime the pump, as 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 it were, and uh, so that when you start your writing, you're already warmed up. You know, I mean, it's kind of like doing vocal exercises before you go out on stage and sing, or uh, you know, stretching before you uh, do something, you know, participate in a sport. You get warmed up, and it makes it a little easier to get into a state of flow with your work. So I highly recommend it. Um, and it doesn't matter how you do it. If you, if you prefer doing it digitally, uh, you know, I've got the, this journal app that I use day one is available on my computer, on my laptop, on my uh, iPad and iPhone. It's, it's, I'm pretty sure it may, there's at least an equivalent on uh, Android phones and Windows. Um, so I can do that anywhere. Uh, if I don't have a notebook with me, if I don't have, you know, I, I always stick this moleskine goes in my bag when I travel. Um, so I've at least got this guy with me. Uh, but if, if I forgot it, I could do the same thing on my phone. Uh, it, it doesn't matter what the medium is. It only matters that you're doing, you're making the effort and doing the work. Um, I do also like having a journal dedicated to certain ideas. This this journal that's dedicated to written world will go in, you know, an archive of things related to written world. It'll be a part of the history of that project. Uh, when I was producing film and TV, I kept a journal for a, um, uh, a production we were working on, um, a series that we were working on, and uh, those notes went in as part of the series. So, you know, if if I want to look back at it later and know what I was thinking when we did this interview with a, a special forces uh, officer or you know uh, someone who restored a historic aircraft or whatever, I I can I can know what I was doing that day. I can know what I was thinking that day and what you know the impressions I got from the interview, which could help me shape that story later. So that's a that's a useful practice. I wish I had done it more. I mean I I, I say it like I just was very you know, on the ball with it. Uh, I wasn't as consistent with it as I should have been, and I probably could have gotten a lot more out of it. But imagine doing that. Now I'm, I'm now I'm going to get into an area that I wish I were a little more diligent about. Sorry that my phone keeps 
<laughs> keeps vibrating. Um, but keeping a journal like that while you write a book could be very helpful to you. Uh, so at the end of every one of my books is something I call, um, now I call it a note at the end. I used to call it stuff at the end. Um, it's an afterward, basically. A little note from me to the reader that gives some uh, gives some insight into what I was thinking when I wrote the book. Uh, maybe a little dive into some of the research that I did. You know, a little bit of extra material that isn't part of the novel per se, but is is you know tied to it. It's uh, a piece of it. So I keep these uh, little journals. I don't do it as consistently as I should, but uh, maybe I'll I'll commit to that. But I do keep journals of uh, what I'm doing, you know, what I'm thinking, what where I found something or whatever uh, that goes into these books. And I do this primarily in day one, and day one allows me to tag each entry. So as I'm writing them, I tag it with the title of the book. So I, then later, I just click on that tag, and every single entry appears as if by magic. <laughs> And now, uh, half of this thing is written, you know, uh, I, I can lift pieces wholesale from it. I, I'm basically writing it as I go. So, uh, and then I just edit and, and pull it together and make it cohesive. So you can see how this could be very valuable to you. Uh, you know, being able to look back is useful. Uh, being able to put your head in the same headspace so you can, uh, maybe you can just pick up you're doing some editing and you need to know what you were thinking when you wrote this scene. You can go back and look at your notes on that scene and get right back into it. Uh, there's all kinds of benefits to this. So that's it. I, I, uh, I feel like journaling is a really important and powerful tool for writers. I think it's something we don't utilize as much these days as we should. I know there are people who are just absolutely in love with this. There are a million ways to do journaling. There's no wrong way. Uh, what you have to do is experiment and find the method that works for you. Now, I like to I have a structure to my journal entries when they're handwritten, you know, because I put I, I like to I like to note certain we're going to call it metadata. OK, so when I do it digitally, it's kind of a lot of this stuff is recorded for me. But when I do it on the page, I, I have to do it by hand. and I almost prefer it because what I'll what I put at the top of each entry is the that day's date. And I like to write it out, you know, choose your format, but I like to write it all out. I like to write, and I, I like to put my day in front of my month, right? So European style. So, you know, today is uh, 19, or it's, actually what I say is Friday, comma, 19 April 2019. So that goes at the top. Below that I say um, t the time, so it would be 9.03 a.m., and uh, then I put a little dash, and then I write down where I am while I'm writing. So I might say home office, or I might say, um, you know, Starbucks in Seattle, or you know, uh, maybe I'm uh, I'm going to be in St. Louis uh, in a couple of weeks. So I'll find a place in St. Louis, and that entry will say, Random Coffee House, St. Louis, Ho such and such hotel, St. Louis, and. Um, that way, I've got a record of the date, the time, and the place, and I can instantly put myself right back there uh, when I want to. 
So if it was a good day and I feel good about it and I want to revisit it, now I've got even more detail <laughs> that I can fall back on. Uh, and I keep threatening to digitize all my handwritten journals, but it's it's quite an undertaking for me because I've got hundreds of these things. Uh, I've got just a crate full of, uh, of old moleskins uh, from years and years of carrying them around in my pocket and my bag. Um, just it just really is my go-to uh, portable notebook, and I I prefer the one with the grid. If you're if you're wanting to be like Kevin, I prefer the uh, the the moleskins. They usually have a yellow label and they have gridded paper. If you can see on uh, on YouTube, you can see the grid. It's like graph paper. Uh, I prefer that because if I, because I can write on that, but I can also if I decide. I want to sketch something or whatever. I can use the grid, the grid method to sketch something, um, or I can, uh, you know, whatever. It's more flexible. So <laughs> you might like blank pages or whatever. That's just how I do it. That's how the word slinger does it. Uh, so you just have to decide what works for you, what makes you feel comfortable, and what you're going to get the most value out of. But I recommend journaling. Um, it's kind of taking the place of social media for me, honestly. It's for instant, rather than uh, go spew something on social media, which I, I tried to stop doing anyway. Uh, if I have, if I feel passionately about something, I put it on the page, and then uh, then I can include it in a book, or I can, you know, write a blog post or something, and it's fresh to the world instead of. Uh, and you know, I don't, I don't, I also don't have to deal with comments. I don't have to deal with people deciding they know what I mean better than I know what I mean, or deciding that, um, I am, uh, <laughs> that I'm an imbecile or, uh, deciding to take anything I say negatively when I actually meant it positively, whatever. And I don't have to worry about any of it because it's right there on my page. I fully own and control. I'm empowered by it. So anyway. Great tool. Speaking of empowerment, is a great tool for personal and professional empowerment. Uh, you will only benefit by using journals to uh, to shape your skill, your craft, uh, and the way you think. So, <clears throat> in your personality, your career, everything will benefit. All right, that's it. We're going to wrap it up. Um, this has been, a, I think, a good episode. You're going to have to let me know. I really appreciate you sticking around, listening to these things. I get a lot of great feedback from people who uh, who are listening to the show. And uh, God bless you. I, I appreciate you being here. So uh, take care of yourselves out there. Have a wonderful, uh, this is Good Friday. Easter's coming up. You know, uh, big important day among Christians. But it's also a great day for just remembering to uh, to stop and be grateful for your family, for your, the people you love that are in your life, uh, and you know the the wonderful things that can come to you. So, my uh, t- I'm gonna, my charge to you before we leave today is go out and find someone and say something kind to them and do something kind for them, and uh, don't expect anything in return. Just do it because you want to spread a little love. So. God bless each of you. I will see all of you in the next episode. Take care. Hey, thanks for tuning in to the Wordslinger Podcast. Now, you can support this show by visiting wordslingerpodcast.com. That's where you're going to find back episodes, books by me, and links to anything and everything Wordslinger. And be sure to subscribe to this show on iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube, and anywhere else fine podcasts are sold. I'm Kevin Tomlinson. Thanks for tuning in. 
We'll check you next time.